high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Marnie. Mike Andaglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Valentine's Claus visited my house today. Did he visit yours? He did, but I say you can still love your partner and think Valentine's Day is dumb. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season five, episode 20, The Case of Harland Bassett. I am very excited to talk about this episode. We are recording on February 14th. It's Valentine's Day. How's it going, Mike? It's going good. My my wife is uh, at work all day making that money. Oh, yeah. She make good money on Valentine's Day. And uh, hopefully she doesn't get sick. Uh, yeah. So, Keith, since we've made out, I figured, and we're spending some hours together today, you could be my Valentine, maybe. But I think that's nice. I, it, I would like to point out it was not recreational. It was occupational makeout. <laughs> that's true. Well, you know, I'll take it any way I can get it these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, this just in, folks. I don't know if you follow our Instagram. God help you if you do. Uh, actually, it's, mm. it's much better than the show, so I'm, I hope you do. Oh, uh, vastly, yeah. Uh, but if you do, you probably know that Keith can't accept my love and Valentine wish because he has given his heart to another. I I have. I and he's he's right here. Uh, Please allow me to introduce the third co-host, Charlie. Charlie! Who, who, you don't even know you're live on the internet right now. So you're probably going to be seeing Charlie a fair amount wandering back and forth. If you see this uh, this tail uh, around my microphone, that is what is happening. Charlie is a rescue. He is uh, actually today, according to his paperwork, although I think his, his yeah, you see what I mean? Yeah, well, welcome to the <laughs> His club. history... Is, is a little bit mysterious, uh, but according to his paperwork, today, Valentine's Day, is his third birthday. So we are uh, we are very excited to be uh, trying him out here in the house. Trying out, not because I'm not profoundly, deeply, chemically in love with Charlie, but because Jillian has allergies. So we are working through that. Uh, needless to say, he is a... An amazing little creature. He is a uh, he's a cuddler. He sat a, he sat atop my chest for the entire Bruins game last night. Puck dropped to the end of game. I couldn't even get up to uh, to pee. So he's pretty amazing. He was really shy in the shelter and then has come out of his shell in the first couple of days. And 
my goodness, what a cool cat. And he's what he said so, he's three, you said? He's three, yeah. That's so awesome. and and he is a uh, his namesake, Charlie, uh, was my cat growing up, who was with like my best friend for almost 20 years when I was a kid. And he uh, I'll put it up on the Instagram at some point. He and uh, Charlie Jr. and Charlie Sr. are almost identical in how they look. Their hair, their markings, their face, uh, everything except for their personality because Charlie Jr. is a great deal more friendly than Charlie <laughs> Sr. <laughs> Although I loved Charlie Sr. in all of his unfriendliness uh, a great deal. Yeah, I have a grumpy cat uh, too, who's who's chemically unbalanced. I've been informed by the vet, so uh, I get it. You know, you find uh, they, they're all unique. They're unique snowflakes, Keith. And uh, no, they really are. I've they all have different personalities. And you're talking about Didi, my buddy Didi, yes. who I get along with just great. I don't know, maybe because maybe I'm just a nicer person. Well, you represent maybe. solely food and play to him, and uh, I, that. <laughs> That's right, and no discipline. I'm like the uh, I'm the fun uncle. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mind. He's he he I I scruff him quite a bit, so he sees me as a, uh, a I don't want to call it a threat, but as a dominant species. So he's relatively mm -hmm. good to me. Jen, no, he just bites her right on the face. So uh, well, not for long. Once they take those teethies out. Oh, because he's got dental problems. Yeah, he has some bad dental problems, which explains the reeky breath. So uh, hopefully, they say his mood, but his actually his his behavior might improve quite a bit. Well, so welcome to the problems, welcome to I'd the cat crunchy. podcast where two grown forty year old men just talk about cats and all their cool. I know. Well, I, I mean, frankly, like cats are very popular, probably yeah. more popular actually, than us or the show we're talking about. Just just in the Patreon donations have been coming in. <laughs> like oh my water. god! Look at that. They just want to talk about cat dentistry. Well, and I I noticed with with Charlie because when we got him, he was a little bit he wasn't like underweight, but he was light, and I was like, "Huh, that's weird." And it took me a few days to notice, uh, but he is actually missing a lot of his little teeth, mm. which I now realize he's he has trouble with dry food because he can't really crunch it. So. Once I've switched him to wet food, I'm like, he's like a vacuum cleaner. So we're gonna fatten him up no right. matter what. So I don't know if it was a it was a, a birth defect or or what. Cause, you know, when you get a rescue cat, you know, it's like, here's a cat. Here's what we think we know about him. We don't, you know, he came from another shelter. And so it's like they they didn't know very much about him. Um when we got Dee, he was uh, he was eight weeks old. And when we took him to the vet, he was very small. And they're like, yeah, this cat is barely four weeks old. Uh, Oof. Clearly has not ever had mother's milk. He's like, doesn't know any socialization. He's trying to suckle the air. So we had to start bottle feeding him. It's like, he's clearly underdeveloped. So, uh, well, he's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, man. It's tough. Yeah. And they, and they told us with unequivocally, he was not going to live. They're like, it was kitten season. The first vet I took him to wouldn't even see me. He's like, it's kitten season. 97% of these cats will die. Including your cat, so he's like, "Don't get attached." It was terrible. It was terrible. Oh, that's ter that. Oh, that's awful. Well, but you did. You stuck with him. You took care of him. You nursed him back to health. And now, and now he's a pain he's in the a, ass. Uh, he's a big dumb pain in the ass, which yeah. is what you uh, just you know what you sign up for when you uh, get a cat. That is true. So, so Keith, uh, I have no segue. Let's start the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I welcome have a segue Charlie. To yeah, yes, welcome Charlie. Um, 
You know, and I, I wanted to just talk very briefly. Uh, I, I had mentioned it before that mm-hmm. my grandfather was ill. Um, so we have had an addition to the family. And unfortunately, we did lose uh, my grandfather. And uh, I, I will spare you a, a great deal of information, but I just wanted to talk about him just a little bit for, for my own sake, Absolutely. I guess. Um, so I put some photos here. Uh, his name was Ken Wolvington. This is him when he was... God, he must have been 18, 19 years old. He served in the U.S. Navy, uh, stationed in San Francisco, uh, and he go uh, and he then became. <laughs> he was literally an arms dealer. That's oh. him selling a minigun for GE. <laughs> oh my God, that <laughs> picture! I don't think that can probably even be on the internet. But here we go. After the war, no. I mean, I I, I think it's. Uh, it's for the B fifty seven. I think it's pretty much out of uh, uh, out of time now. Uh, so this guy who started in the Navy wasn't sold military weapons. He sold miniguns uh, for a living. As it turns out, was really just a big theater nerd. And here he is uh, performing community theater. And that is uh, to me, Yaya and Papu, uh, Vern and uh, Barb Emerson who were his best friends growing up and my basically my third set of grandparents uh, performing community theater. And then the next picture is him performing <laughs> in Bye Bye Birdie. That is, <laughs> and I think that might actually uh, show his personality more than any of the other pictures <laughs> because he was a giant theater nerd and he was, um, you know, one of the biggest influences in me becoming a uh, a theater nerd and music fan. So he directed community theater. He performed in community theater. And and this is, I think, the coolest part about him um, was how he changed and developed and grew as a person. Um, because when he was in the Navy, uh, this was back in the 40s in San Francisco, and he was on uh, the F-word slur patrol searching for homosexuals in the Navy in the bars in San Francisco. And that is how he began things back in the 40s and 50s. Well, and cut to uh, early 80s through his church, the CCP in Burlington, uh, which is a very progressive church, he actually met and started talking to the first gay people he ever knew and became friends and and got to know them. And then kind of instantly was like, holy shit, I could not have been wronger. And he spent the next, the last uh, 40 years of his life as a uh, working very hard as a gay rights activist, both through his church and through uh, just political activism in Vermont. He spoke at the Capitol. Um, advocating for civil unions. I mean, he obviously was advocating for gay marriage in general, but the the battle at that point was for implementing civil unions and was very proud to have been at least a small part in pushing that through in Vermont, the first state in the country to do it. So this guy who who developed from that, that time frame, that era, and being that backwards in his thinking, at the age of 50-something learned and changed and grew and became a fierce advocate uh, for what is right. And for no other reason other than compassion and getting to know people. There was, you know, for for a family so specifically dedicated to fighting for gay rights, we're straight as an arrow. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> which is, I think, a, a disappointment to him, frankly, because all of his all of his grandchildren, all of his children, all of the rest of his family, just like the straightest people in history. But that didn't stop him and uh, and my grandmother, to whom he was married for almost seventy one years, um, for for fighting for what's right and becoming a uh, the, the one of the very few ninety three year olds flaming progressives uh, in, uh, in Vermont. So, uh, we're very sorry to have lost him, but he lived a very extraordinary and, uh, interesting life. And, uh, he grew as a person. He's not a perfect person who is, but he, he grew and developed and got better every year that he was alive. And I think that is, uh, something to be said. Keith, I say this not tongue in cheek whatsoever. Uh, in the bottom corner here, we I yet to know how uh, Rocky plays into the episode today, but I will say that uh, it, it's funny you're talking about your grandfather, and it reminds me of actually a, a, a pretty moving sequence from Rocky IV after Rocky takes down the big Russian. And uh, the crowd, and I don't know, if, I'm sure everyone's seen Rocky before, but the crowd it was cheering for the Russian in the beginning because they're in Russia, and then they end up cheering for Rocky. And Rocky right. says at the end this great line in the script, he says, if I can change... You can change. I can change. You can change. We all can change. And yeah. I think your your grandfather illustrates that. It's never too late. And simply yeah. by your example and uh, your legacy can 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 continue that work. And so, you know, uh, I'm glad you got to share a little bit of Grandpa. And I hope that yeah. we can uh, actually, you know, be even remotely, even a modicum of that sort of inspiration to others. I hope yeah. that we can live yeah. up to that. Yep, no, for sure. And it's like he he turned around when he was in his 50s, and he turned to me around when I was about 10. And, uh, you know, did did a, did a lot of good stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's that. So um, before we go to filings and subpoenas, like we always do, I have to investigate whether my cat just shit under the desk. <laughs> well, I, interestingly, my cat shit on the kitchen floor today, so it might be in the air. Buddy, what did you do? <laughs> did he shit? He, I I can't tell. Like this is an incredible podcast moment. Keith is going to go on all fours to investigate a rogue poop smell, which could or could not be himself. Uh, no, it's like he either actually shit or that is the worst fart I have ever seen come out of a yes. cat in human history. <laughs> Well, I'm going to eat Valentine's Day chocolates regardless as Keith searches for cat poops. I I don't know, but that's really intense. Dude, what did you do? I don't know. It's I don't know, it's dissipating. So <laughs> Listen. You so gave him cheese. You, you gave him cheese this morning. You gave him cheese. That's on you. It was. That's exactly my lord. So, uh Grandpa uh, to where to whatever is next, I would like to point out that while I spoke about you, my cat farted so bad I had to stop the podcast <laughs> and see whether or not he shit somewhere. People tell you that cats like dairy. It's straight up not true. You're not supposed to give them dairy. Well, I didn't give him. I it was a it was a can of cat food. I read it was, it was cheese it was, and stuff. It was beef and cheese, but it was cat food. No, yeah, well, the, 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 tell you what, it's it's not cat food anymore. No, I'm telling. Well, that all right. So that's not going to be a food that we feed him moving forward because that. Hey, lessons Ooh. learned. Lessons learned. 
I love trying to keep a train of thought when I'm like, did he shit on my lap? This is the worst thing I've <laughs> well, ever smelled. The cat was playing with a toy this morning. Cece was playing with something on the kitchen floor. I was like, what the hell is that toy? Is that chocolate? Oh, no, I hope she's not eating chocolate. You know, kill your cat. No, it was it was poop. Yeah. Anyway. Just fall on poop. We've really, ah. we've really explored many topics this morning. Boy, the, we really have. Ode to uh, Keith's grandfather, cat shit, uh, yeah. you know, the works. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think it dentistry. is definitely, definitely time to move on. Filings and subpoenas. Charlie's on the piano. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Cats on the well, piano. Uh, cats on the piano. What's Cats on the piano. Cats everywhere. Just hold it in, buddy, or go upstairs. <laughs> go, go crop dust Jillian. I'm podcasting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, so uh, our, our good friend and moderator, Phoenix, has called me out once again, as always. He says, Keith, I finally agree with you, and you only read half my message. I thought that You at did the, the time. same thing that one time I complimented you. Are you okay? I'm never really okay. All right. I tried to explain this on there. The... The, the YouTube page that I was on, I think was like on the back end and you click on the read more and it won't let you read more. I had to go to the other page. I didn't know that. So uh, here, allow me to rectify the situation by reading your comment in full about uh, last week's episode, two weeks ago, The Confession, uh, to which Phoenix says, in completion, the three of us, Definitely agree on this episode. My reasons are that it didn't focus on the morality of the case, but rather the broader ethics of the law. Meanwhile, it developed the relationships of the characters using the tension created by the case. It had an A story, so good it didn't need a B story. Correct. But you could also argue that the B story was woven in so seamlessly that you didn't even see it. This is definitively the practice and why the show stands apart from others in the same genre. Thumbs up sound, thumbs down sign, reply. That is the entire message. <laughs> but I, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. I like that is definitely, uh, I feel the same way. We actually agree. And I'm glad you uh, called me on it so I could read the rest of the message. You know, it's Valentine's the, Day. Can we just call a truce here? Can we all just be together as a family? Do we have to have this animosity all the time? <laughs> it's, it's not animosity. It's a mild antagonism, perhaps. But uh, no, I I like it. I, th I think the problem is we're too similar. Yeah, okay. uh, Phoenix also he, says... Although Phoenix, well, has, he, Phoenix has said on many occasions he's very in shape and has very good eating habits. So... <laughs> The similarities can't be that pervasive. Uh, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty is charged. Uh, you win. He, you uh, always do. He also says, well, geez, Keith, Jillian's review of your book makes anything I would have to say about it pretty moot. And that is, of course, uh, The Farmer and the Two-Faced Lord, uh, written by Keith Varney, illustrated by Sean Varney, available on Amazon in paperback and digital download. It is a, uh, a hilarious and upsetting uh, spoof of a children's fable, which goes in a uh, horrifying reaction, which is why Jillian's review was, this makes the world a worse place, which is- Was she talking uh, about to be the book, or was she looking you straight in the face when she said it, Keith? 
she was looking straight in the face, and and it, as the book came out of my brain, it's really the same thing. That's uh, fair, fair. But but that was absolutely the greatest compliment I could get because uh, I that was the intent of the book. Okay, it is time to tell you how to join Phoenix, our moderator and join the contact info, and you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at Out of Practice on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And while you're doing it, do us a huge favor and join the jury by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. If you don't, I will send Charlie to your house to fart cheese at you. That's, uh, yeah, well, that's that's something. That is something. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, speaking of somethings, it is time to hop back into the time machine to discuss Season 5, Episode 20, The Case of Harland Bassett, which aired on April 29th, the year 2001, which brings us to the question, what was going on? This day in the basement. Uh, well, you know, we've given the, um, what do you want to call it? The disclaimer a few weeks ago, things are going to get heavy here. So this week-ish in 2001, about about right on mark, really. And it's interesting, actually, to revisit this. So I teased it, I think. my So at this point in my saga with my father, he has decided that... You know, he had been on a lot of machines, and I had mentioned the vocal cord thing, and and it, and he had one of those kind of moments you hear about where like the the clouds part, and he um was sort of himself again, and so we were all in there as a kind of a family in the hospital and chatting and laughing, and my dad was like uh, just so charismatic and funny telling stories, and it was so nice to have him back again. Like this sort of dementia he had been suffering from as well was sort of faded for a couple minutes and it kind of got explained to him pretty specifically that you know though he had uh battled back from a lot of the things that had ailed him over the past few years this renal disease that he was currently in the throes of was not going to get better and Mm -hmm. his basically his kidneys had just like jumped the shark and he was going to be on constant dialysis for the rest of his life it would be you know, two, three times a day or whatever it was. The specifics escaped me. And he made the decision at the time that he did not want that. And so he made the choice. It wasn't us. It wasn't anyone. He wasn't under any sort of fog to say he was going to go off dialysis. And Mm. they were like, well, that is like your best case scenario is you'll live for seven to ten days. So... You know, at the time, and I've talked about this in therapy quite a bit, I felt this great deal of relief. And mm. um, and then subsequent in subsequent 20 years of my life, I felt a great deal of guilt for feeling that relief because it was, I was very consumed with myself and my feelings and, and all these things. And, and, and I, this is not, I'm not trying to air those right now. I've, I'm dealing with that stuff that's, you know, part of the work. Um, and it's understandable, and I, I don't blame myself for feeling those things. I, I understand it better now. But... The, the time and the distance from that, as I was kind of thinking about it this morning before we went on the air, and I'm putting myself in my dad's shoes now, and I'm thinking, you know, because he was 
54, 55 years old. So we're talking keep. I mean, but a hop, yeah. skip, and a jump from us, you know? Yeah. And his worries were more, were all about us, right? It was like, are you guys going to be okay? And my brother was, I was in a time, having a time. And my sister was graduating high school, and my brother was in college and doing well. And so I think it was a pretty decent time, you know. And I just think, what a, a kick in the nuts, right? Like, he had he had been a smoker for a good portion of his life. And then yeah. when the science came out that smoking could kill you, he stopped cold turkey. And my dad smoked Did those, really? those brown Marlboros that, like, those nasty ones, and he stopped mm. cold turkey. Wow, and good for him. Still got mouth cancer, beat it. He was a di- type two diabetic or type one diabetic, whatever the bad one is, and um, was on insulin his whole life. Didn't really take care of himself. Uh, found out he had uh, went in because he was having some chest pains. Found out he needed uh, emergency quadruple bypass instantly. Did it the whole zipper thing got better, beat it, like beat all of these things. But then at the end of his life, oh, and then they started, as they say about a lot of diabetics, they started, he got gangrene on one toe. They took a toe. They took another toe. They took half his foot, you know. Uh, it was diabetes that just he couldn't outrun it. He was one of those guys who was living, you know, working his ass off to the bone every day, left for work, came back late, just busting his ass for his family, but didn't, take the time for his health. Didn't take yeah. the time to address the, the the elephant in the room and it caught up to him. And I think about those that that moment where you've been in the hospital and you've been battling dementia and these just the you know, your body your physical body's falling apart. And I'm sure he was worried about his business and all these things. And finally you, you reach that moment where you're like you run out you ran out of track. And yeah. to make a decision like that to face your mortality while you're staring at your children and to make that choice of sound mind. You know, I don't know if that's, I just don't, it's hard to think about something more scary than that, you know? Oh my God, yeah. And just how tired you must be or in pain, you know, or all the above to, uh, to really face that down and you know it, 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 it thinking about that eases my heart a little bit because you know the, the, the guilt comes from if I had not been in so much of my own shit why wouldn't you why wouldn't I have we lobbied hip for him to make a different choice stick around you know like maybe advancements are coming down the pike maybe we can get a, a, a dialysis machine at home maybe we, we can figure this out but none of us it was just what he said always went, and we just went with it. And uh, clearly, to make that kind of decision as a as a grown man right now, I realize I don't know that there was mind changing to be had. No, I mean, and I, it's it's obviously a very different situation that your father was going through, you know. But I've been thinking about the same thing with my grandfather over the last couple of months, and there there is a certain there's a point at which it becomes cruel. To like yeah. to to keep to keep going, and and I and I don't think you should feel guilty about being relieved about that at all. And and certainly that's that's a very similar, you know. Again, definitely not the same situation. Um, that my you know my mother's 
going through and all the whole family's going through. It's because that there is a relief. There is a relief to, you know, to someone who has been suffering and to someone, it doesn't look like there's much, you know, if, if there, if someone is suffering and there isn't a, a chance for it to improve, thank you for helping me with my microphone, Charlie. (laughs) And, and there isn't, there isn't an upside. It becomes cruel to continue to suffer like that. And I completely yeah. understand your your father's choice. And I understand why you would be relieved by that. And, you know, I'm I'm not your therapist, but I certainly, if I had a magic wand, I would relieve you of the guilt that you feel about being relieved about that. Because I, it sounds like it was horrible and tragic and like the worst possible thing. But maybe the right thing and and maybe what needed to happen. Yeah, and you know, I, I think of two other things and, you know, interesting about my mom is my mom is is one of those people who's like, I don't care if you have to breathe for me, like resuscitate. There is no DNR yeah, in her yeah. future. She's like, keep me on the, don't unplug me ever, just le- wheel me in a corner and just let it keep breathing. For, like she does not want to die. And uh, yeah, And I think somewhere in my dad's head, I think he was like, if she is left to, to her devices in charge of me, I will yeah. languish, you know? And yeah. I don't think he wanted that. And as it turns out, as you'll see, first of all, as a testament to his fighterhood, uh, you know, they said, what did they say? Three to seven days, something like that. And it'll be another 17 days before he will actually uh, mm. pass on. Uh, we'll get to that story. It's a decent story and uh, pretty actually moving. And you know, we got to take him home and he got to die like on his couch in front of his TV mm. in his home, you know? And I think that for a lot of people is like what they want in a way. So, yeah. uh, and and had well, he not made this decision, I don't know that that would have been the case. Well, I mean, clearly he was a strong independent guy who valued his dignity and his control and his sense of, you know, uh, and, and I, I completely... I get it. I mean, like, it, we've talked about it sort of comedically, uh, but I'm definitely closer to where your father... Like, yeah. I, I do not want to languish. I would not want to... Uh, and I was... Because, again, we've, we've ironically been talking about it a lot this this week, just, just uh, coincidentally, but it's like, if I can't enjoy my life, the people in my life, the people that I love, the things that I love, if I... If I don't care about who wins the Bruins game, if I'm not, you know, happy to see uh, my loved ones, then I, you know, then I, I'm not sure that the the length of time is as important as the quality of time. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't I, and I don't think wishing that for somebody that you care about is a bad or selfish thing. You know, yeah. I, I don't I I think. Uh, you know, I wish for my loved ones the ability to choose how they want to do it. Guess what? It, it doesn't you know? stop there. You know, uh, my wife's uh, maybe a, a, a relative of us, my wife in my wife's family, uh, passed away rec- last week. Last week, mm. and yeah. not a good guy. In fact, you know, pretty much the opposite. Regardless. You still don't want to see anybody lose their dignity or go out in a, in those kind of ways. So, uh, you know, it's there's when you when you boil it all away, you know, human dignity and compassion is really all we've got. And uh, I wish that we, 
you know, we talked about on the practice, you know, to, wh- to whip it back around a lot, you know, when we talked about people's wishes and blood transfusions and, uh, right. oh my God, I, but some crazy stuff. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, and how, you know, people can't, especially p- people who are suffering, can't really make decisions for themselves about end of life. And I think that is somewhere where our, our, civilization specifically our country really has got their wires crossed a bunch yeah yeah i completely agree anyway the saga continues next week folks uh uh, i think we have two more episodes before we can get past this chapter of my life and and uh get into get into new york so uh oh yeah yeah, that's right we jump forward we only have two more episodes of the season that's right and then you know soon we'll be able to cheer up by hitting right on 9 11 (laughs) You know, I'll never forget the one thing about 9-11, and I'll, I'll, uh, also it's sad, my dad dies three days before his birthday, spoiler alert, and uh, it sucks, not, doesn't suck, sorry, it's really hard to find words to express what I'm trying to say right now. Uh, I was sad on 9-11, not because just of 9-11 and the absolute torment of that, but my dad was like, we had talked about, one of those obsessive news hounds, and I just feel like it would have been mm. an event that... I don't know who you know what. Why would you want anybody? How could you enjoy? I I, I don't know what no, I'm trying I, to say. I, but. No, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying because like good, bad, or ugly, sharing these experiences with your dad is is important and valuable. And you know they're they're not always good ones. They're bad ones, but sharing it with your loved ones, I think, is has value. So I, yeah. I hear completely what you're saying. Nine Eleven really capped a really shitty year, and then leapt frog us into you know we had both you had moved to new york by that let's talk about 9-11 at 9-11 yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll do that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah okay get us out of this hole keith do you have something Woo! yeah okay <laughs> yeah oh well look it's this this podcast has always been what's happening and what happened not the good stuff of what's happening right, and fair. the good stuff of what's happened. And fair. I think it's, it is more interesting and more valuable because of it. Um, nothing nearly so, quite so consequential uh, out in Rochester in the aftermath of my junior recital. Uh, I was, what was happening then was uh, my girlfriend and I were making the decision to stay in Rochester for the summer. Okay. As opposed to go home for the summer, which I'd always done up, up to that point, and we decided to stay together because our plan was to get an apartment and move out of the dorms. And uh, the only way to do that with a one-year lease was we get the apartment as right as soon as the semester ends, so it will end at the end of the next semester. So she and I were uh, making that decision and getting ready uh, to move into 100 East Avenue uh, in uh, in Rochester. So we will get more into that and the summer that was, um, which was kind of fun and interesting. And <laughs> ironically, one of the first things we did there was get our cat, uh, huh. um, uh, which of course was not allowed in the apartment, but we got away with it because we made friends with the super. Guys, always make friends with the super. Be friends with your super. Unfortunately, right now, the super in our house is me, and I don't know if we're friends, but, you know, we get along. So, uh, yeah, all right. Well, let us hop forward and talk about... 
It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. We are, of course, talking about April 29th, the year 2001. The cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about farmers talking shop at auction. Now, if you are a rural person, there are farm auctions where farmers go and they buy cattle and other livestock and feed and (laughs) such. And in Vermont, that's headline news. That's the above the fold in uh, the Burlington Free Press. Farmers buying cows. The top movie was Driven. Yeah, which okay. was a Sylvester Stallone racing movie written by Stallone himself and starring him, which I never saw. So, but uh, sort of this part, the first part of the uh, synchronicity, as you would put it, with uh, Stallone happening and this episode, you'll understand later. The top song, of course, continued to be All For You by Janet Jackson or performed by Janet Jackson. Might be written by Janet Jackson. I don't really know. Uh, speaking of uh, synchronicity, as she is been in the news lately after yes, the Justin throwing out his uh, mea culpas. Uh, yeah, a little little late, but uh, and I love that I that's know. the focus is that oh Justin does the right thing. Oh, but are we talking about the women? Okay, whatever. Yeah, no, it's uh, we're we're just uh, you know that's what I was saying with my brothers the other day. We're always still going to make mistakes. My goal as a person is to make different mistakes. And so we're making a different one now. Thank you very much, fake Janet Jackson. Which means it's time for... It's time. It's time. time. It's time for sports. This week, the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs began featuring matchups between the Penguins and Sabres, the Kings and the Avs, the Leafs and the Devils, and the Blues and the Stars. On the 29th, the Blues took down the Stars 2-1 on the way to a four-game sweep of Dallas. The Sabres dropped the first two games of the series before taking Game 3 on the road in their series. Sports ball sad right now because uh, football is done and oh, man, there's all nothing. of the hockey teams I care about are done. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, is, is there any weather this week? No, the the, the extra segment has really uh, taken a backseat to us talking for six hours at the top of the show. <laughs> <clears throat> no. Uh, oh, so sorry, everyone. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sorry for making you listen to it because you're probably not. I'm sorry for your thumbs pressing skip until we get to... Uh, until we get to this. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh, my God. That video intro gets bigger and bigger. I <laughs> love it. This episode, entitled The Case of Harland Bassett, was interestingly... Uh, in one of the very, very few episodes in practice history, David E. Kelly is not listed as a writer on this episode, uh, merely as series creator. It was now, written. Now, who by- is going to shove it full of male chauvinism? <laughs> oh, shuts fired. <laughs> David, e., like, we, we might not get a cease and desist from Fox Television because I don't think they care. Uh, David E. Kelly might come to our house and burn it down, but we're huge fans, and we're and we have I, I don't, no I don't idea. think we're getting an interview. I don't think we're getting the we, exclusive. 
look, we have no idea who is in charge of some of the things that we have not liked. And we have definitely liked a great deal more than we have not liked. Anyway. Cut to Keith this ep- calling me half hour after the show being like, should you take that part out where you dissed David E. <laughs> Kelly? No, I stopped doing that. I used to do that all the time. And I'm like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> who listens to this <laughs> shit anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like afraid, oh man, this is really going to break out. We're going to have tens of thousands of people listening and I'm going to really get in trouble. Well, uh, we have uh, been cured of that illusion. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this show was written by Alphonse H. Moreno, who last wrote on Brothers Mm -hmm. Keepers. And Peter Blake, who last wrote on The Deal and Gideon's crossover. It was directed by Danny, Daniel Attias, who directed The Deal and Burden of Proof, which means we only have one thing to do before we listen to the episode, and that is... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? The cat would fart everywhere. That's exactly what would happen. The cat would fart everywhere. I'm I'm literally, I was certain that he had shit atop my shoes because that was so intense. Um, Sorry. Look, the episode's going to be about Harlan Bassett. It's time we get into the cancer case. Uh, He spent all last week, quote unquote, tricking Eugene into... Uh, co-chairing with him. So I'm, I'm going to hope, my hope is that we get an A case, right? We get an A case. But Keith, it can't just be an A case because I have a... Oh, oh, oh. Here, wait, hold on. I have to find... Here it is. Conspiracy theory. You know, we are coming up to the end of the season, all right? Yes. And we've uh, we had the big wedding. We had the, you know, that was... Uh, at Boston. That, that was the last season. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, so that was the happy thing. Then years before, we had the uh, uh, Jimmy almost died. So right. we've... we've and, and don't forget the, the killer nun. Yes, killer nun. We've, we've done a lot, right? So like, what are we going to do season five? And then I start thinking, well, we're coming towards like sort of the end of the series, right? We only got a couple seasons left. And then we know there's a big changeover of some sort. I don't know how that all comes out. So... Well, to be fair, we have three full seasons to go. Oh, before that happens? Or that or the train? There, No. Three, three full seasons of the practice. Okay, so here's I, what I'm thinking. Just okay, bear with okay. me. I'm thinking, what can we All do right, that's ready. like cliffhangery or just like huge news to like really jump things up? And I think, okay, well, like, who's already been almost murdered? Uh, okay. Bobby, right? He was kidnapped by... Um, Oh, uh, yes, yeah, by, by New Kids, by on, new the kids on the Block. And he was almost de- yeah. dead. Jimmy was almost dead. That's right. Uh, Marla and Rebecca D got blowed up and were almost dead. Kelly Williams got blowed up, right? Uh, uh, Kelly Williams got almost murdered. Um, so but really, she got stabbed. Right. Well, so, and Eleanor almost died with the baby right. non canon yes. on the a- other Eleanor. episode. That's right. So if you really boil it down, all that's left is Eugene and Helen Gamble. Hmm. Eugene, I just, I don't, Eugene's too important. So here's my, Keith, I think we are leading up to. Oh, shit. The, and, and think about it, when I, when I parse that out, 
They've been doing okay. some weird stuff with the Ark of Helen. They don't really know, right? She was redeemed. She was redeemed, and then she was going back. And then last week was so weird with Lucy. I mm-hmm, think we mm-hmm. are queuing up for. Are you ready for it? Give me a drum roll. Oh, okay. I drum roll. Hold on, hold on. And then, you know what? Let me let me do this. Oh, yes, here it comes. Yes, yes. Here it comes. You know what? This deserves it. It's coming. The death of Helen Gamble. Oh, wow. That's my big swing for the season, and we have two episodes to get there. Wow, you're going to kill off Helen Gamble. Lara Flynn Boyle, Mike is coming for you. And you know, I would not threaten Helen Gamble because she will flat out murder you. Well, I'm not, I got to finish, I got to see it through then, I guess. We got to get there. You got to make sure she's dead. She won't come after you. You got to double tap, Helen. Yeah. Okay. So there it is, man. The death of the DA. Wow. Helen is wow. done. Wow. Wow. That's that's bold, sir. That so is I don't know. So as so, bold so, as my cat's fart. So I don't know how, but we got to plant those seeds this week. So not only are we going to do comp, buddy cop with 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 Harlan, we've got to plant the seeds of the death of Ms. Gamble. Okay. Well, folks, <laughs> Charlie's back. Uh, well, all right. So uh, if you would like to listen to uh, what Mike thinks is going to be the beginning of Helen's death, the case of Harlan Bassett, switch over to your podcasting service of choice, and we will see you back here on the YouTubes for the Oopsies. Season five. Episode 20, The Case of Harlan Bassett. The big hurdle is causation. Proving the drug caused Annie's liver failure. Mm. And do we have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt? No, that's the criminal standard. The burden here is the preponderance of the evidence. Where is Harlan? He should be right here. Mr. and Mrs. Mullen, we don't think Lower we'll win. Of proof is very important. Our goal here, if we can do well enough that we might win, then we should be able to settle because Hayden Laboratories can't risk losing. Is the burden so of proof we... higher or lower than a Senate trial? <laughs> well, the uh, yeah, the the burden is uh, political considerations. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works. But while we're doing it. The parents of this girl. People who are white, so they absolutely would not have been convicted in a Senate trial. No, he literally could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it because the Republicans in the Senate are weak and ineffectual. Okay, uh, Annie's parents are played by Kate Mulligan from Tenacious D and its yeah. Gary Shandling show. And uh, Keith McKenzie, who I went through his IMDb, and I'm I'm not going to list his biggest credits or most famous credits. I'm going to list his Christmas credits, including National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Cross Country Christmas, Christmas, she wrote, Christmas Getaway, Marry Me at Christmas, and finally, Family for Christmas. I'm, uh, I've seen too many of those, and it uh, makes me feel like less of a person. Speaking of less than a person, you know, mm. only recently, when, when it aired originally, I was younger, but I didn't get, I didn't gronk the Gary Shandling show. Upon revisiting uh, it, god damn, it's really brilliant. good. 
It's fucking yeah, really no, it's, good. Anyway, I've watched the whole thing multiple times. <laughs> Hot take: The Gary Shandling Show was good. Oh my god! You know, have you heard about Breaking Bad? It's, here, it's also pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Let me check on Harlan. It's, just, it's called Sesame Street, dude. I'm telling you, <laughs> your kids are gonna dig it. Harlan, the Mullins are waiting. Could you take the meeting, Eugene? Take the meeting? It's a pre-trial. They want to talk to you. I'm just... Is he drunk? Wrong? I'm having a little anxiety. It's nothing. Oh. Had it before. It goes away. What goes away? What exactly are you feeling? My breathing gets a little hard. It's kind of panic attack, Eugene. It's just not need a few science. minutes. So, uh, should I tell them to wait? No. Okay. Maybe this is why he lost so many cases, Keith. <laughs> can't get air. Oh no, is Harlan gonna die? Did I kill the Harlan is Keith, down. did I kill the wrong person? I, I it's possible. It's you see, possible. I start whipping I mean, out murder accusations and now people are dropping dead. Maybe I've made a mistake. This is not good, man. This is not good. Yeah, I mean and let's face it, Harlan is much more lovable than Helen. Want to hit out on Helen and just the the people the murder in its wake since my, my hex is is really going to be what is the body count going to be? What is yeah seriously definitely going to be a high body count this week. Now yeah, for all we know he had a meatball parm before the episode started so maybe it's not as bad as it seems. I mean to be fair I wish I'd had a meatball parm. I did have a meatball parm last night. Can I tell you? Did you really? I mean I live in New Jersey. I should have one every day. You know, I just started suffering from heartburn at 40, and it sucks. Never had it before. No. Let me tell you what's not good for it. Meatball parms. Meatball parms. All right, back yeah. to I our want to do one more heart test, attack in progress. But from everything I can see, it was just an anxiety this attack. This doctor is heart played by fine. Helen Eigenberg, who We can keep you overnight, or you can leave. If you no, I got to leave. I'm in trial in six all hours. Harland, uh, I think we can get a continuance. I wouldn't be so sure, Eugene. This judge oh, said the last one was final. But this is medical. You you had a near heart attack. So. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, can I have a second? Absolutely. I'll check back. This happens quite often. That's why we did the other four. Mm-hmm. The last continuance I got, I, uh, I sort of faked a heart attack. What do you mean you sort of faked a heart attack? He wasn't going to give me any more time, so I, uh, grabbed my chest and I said I had to go to my doctor. He says if this happens uh, again, somebody else is going to have to try it because the case is going forward no matter what. You're the only one who can try this case. We don't know it well enough. Which is why I ought to be checking out tonight. Hand me my pants, would you? Did he fake it again? So you're going forward. No, he didn't fake it. That that one was real. He says he's ready. Exhibits? They've been delivered to the courthouse. Do you guys have any chance? That is an encouragement, Eleanor. (laughs) The first chance you get to settle. Don't worry. <laughs> Welcome back from maternity. Are we ready? We're ready. All right. Maternity, you get a week and a half. Blowed up, you get a day and a half. That's right. Annie Mullen came to me with a sinus infection. Great makeup job. I there. first treated it with Mullen. another antibiotic. When that didn't work, I prescribed Shanks. Reflexin. Reflexin? This is also an antibiotic? That's correct. And what happened? After taking the drug, 
She almost immediately went into acute liver failure. Oh, no. Ultimately this resulting woman is in two Allison transplants. Sorry. Oh, okay. In your medical opinion, ma'am, did reflection cause this liver failure? I cannot state it to a medical certainty. But I can think of no cause other than the reflection. Objection. Uh, doctor, did you know that reflection was dangerous? Objection. No foundation. Sustained. What were your expectations regarding the safety of this antibiotic, doctor? I was aware that it hadn't been tested on children, but neither are about 80% of the drugs on the market today. Obviously, I didn't consider it to be dangerous. Man. If I did, I wouldn't have prescribed it. But this is an adult drug. Yes, but we have to prescribe adult drugs to children because the pharmaceutical companies test so few of them on kids. And to your knowledge, do many pediatricians prescribe adult drugs to children? We all do, routinely. All right, doctor. Would you tell the court how you first learned about Reflexin? The same way I hear about all new drugs. The company sends out a rep, he's called a detail person, to promote the product. Did this detail person say anything in about my, uh, the safety of Reflexin? In my old Reflexin? job, he represented before my current one, I actually dealt with a great deal of drug reps because I worked in the CME office at NYU, the Continuing Medical Education, where they teach doctors sort of continuing education. And so the drug reps are all over that place like rats. So it's it's weird. Like this is a, a, a world in which I'm pretty familiar. Meanwhile, to me as very safe. Did he warn you about giving it to kids? We no, week. he did not. Doctor, you were sued by the Mullins and you settled out of court, did you not? On the advice of my lawyer, I settled the claim, yes. Now, as part of that settlement agreement, you agreed to assist the plaintiff in pursuing her claims against other parties. Yes, but I only agreed to tell the truth, which is what I've done here. The, um, the literature that you received from my client's detail person included all labeling information, did it not, doctor? Yes. And I show you a copy of that information now marked and identified so as Exhibit A. Could you read the highlighted section? Yeah. Especially as a prick. Not proven safe and effective for children under 16 years of age. And yet you prescribed it to a 13-year-old girl? It's done all the time. And she made a really good point Thank you, that I, about uh, doctors prescribing Bassett, medication to children redirect. that isn't designed for them. Can you think of anything else? Because they no, don't test you, you on children, can, so uh, they have to. And you don't want to get Ravis in another whack across. Right. Uh, now, Ernie Sabella is great, but much like what we've what much like what we've done to Richard Bay, um. I feel like we're one trick ponying it. Like it's time now. We've established he's a dum dum. Like I need the color now. We've seen sad him, yes. We've, we've right. but I want to see like, and I've seen him be successful only through trickery. Like, can we right. have some sort of positive traits be explored that aren't, you know, Mister Magoo dum dum stumbles upon the correct answer or uh, trickery, tricker like funny trick that. That is successful. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. Harland, tell the judge you have nothing further. Uh, nothing further from this witness, Your Honor. It's also not testing Steve Harris at all. It's just like looking at the biopsy you know, on her liver. I concluded to a reasonable degree of medical certainty that drug right. toxicity was the cause for the failure. 
Do you know this which drug caused this toxicity? It had to but, be the reflexin. Guys, guys, guys. Yes. Randy Kovitz. Randy Kovitz. He's playing a doctor, Dr. Schumann. Guess what? He also played Dr. Marcus Johnson in Axe Murderer. He did. You're not supposed to know this, but you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals grinding at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I'm quick I saw you in season two and you Patter section. Go. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We're not here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. You know, and while we're stopped, why don't we play a game called... Uh, the judge on this case is played by Mark L. Taylor from uh, Saving Grace, Boston Legal, Melrose Place. He was Jareth in the Ansons of Command, and uh, he was also in uh, on Voyager. He was also in a very interesting movie called Raise the Titanic, which I just I watched recently, and that movie is actually literally about a movie about them raising the Titanic from 1980. They spent a gazillion dollars on it, and it's really weird and interesting. Oh, it's not uh, a documentary? No. It, it's a big-budget Hollywood film from 1980 in which the plot of it is that the in the, Titan, the sunk in the Titanic, there was some sort of uh, thing they needed for a military weapon that they couldn't get anywhere else, so they had to find the Titanic because they had not found it at this point and then raise it up and uh, sail it back into New York, which they did, which was crazy. But that is not even why I'm talking about this, because Mark L. Taylor was previously Wigan's psychiatrist in first degree! No! We're not supposed to know that you've been on the show before. But now you get twice the residuals, arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you Pattern section number two. Go. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a no tea. You may be fooling someone different, but you don't fool me. We're here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome back to the practice tonight. I was ready for that one. Now on Valentine's, we both have notes. <laughs> oh, that's we incorrect. We both have notes. Keith, uh, Keith has proper technique. I just yell. <laughs> Two weeks after she took it, she needed an emergency transplant. She had no medical history that made her susceptible, and I found no other factors that would have contributed to the failure. You did find a second okay, doctor, doctor. Her, didn't you? Can you, you tell us why the reflection would have caused her liver to fail? All drugs are metabolized through either the liver or the kidneys. And sometimes the drug can simply overwhelm the liver. Can it attack children in particular? Children are especially vulnerable. They have immature livers. And for a number of reasons, they cannot What'd be treated simply liver? as small adults. That's why this drug should have been tested on children. Was it? No. Are you aware of any research or data that suggests reflexin causes liver failure? Hayden's Ask own data indicated abnormal today. levels of liver activity. That's from their own study. <laughs> Side effects include Now, in this data parts. that you refer to, what percent of the participants had an elevated liver function? I believe it was 2%. 2%. Are there other drugs on the market that cause similar levels of elevated liver activity? Yes. 
A few? Many? Many. Do you know how many people would die if we took them off the market? Objection. Speculative. Sustained. Doctor, you spoke about children being especially vulnerable. Isn't it true that children's livers are typically more resilient than adults? Typically, yes, but not always. Thank you, doctor. It was a good start. Solid. Harlan is breathing into a bag. It seemed like the doctors admitted they weren't sure. Well, we knew they'd have to. Uh, that's what we talked about last night. Proof is tough. But Harlan did a good job. Why is he breathing into that bag? It works. I do it all the time. You get more oxygen that way. So what's next? Wouldn't it be quite literally the opposite? You get less oxygen? Annie's next. I've never understood you the ready, Annie? thing. Yes. Yeah, you're going to have to be brave up there. I'm ready. Yeah, you're right, going to do great. She's like, I'm going to win a fucking oopsie. Mm-hmm. She wants that. They were all really considering the oopsies while they were filming this. Side effects of reflexion include spontaneous oopsie. While she's testifying, I do not right want you to Right in that moment move. there, there's uh, an extra that passes not in front of them all. that clearly did not know where to go. That if you watch him, he's going to come in like a brown sweater. While he's she's like, testifying? Oh, oh, yep. that yep. way? Okay. Not, not that way? Oh, just keep it. Not at all. Not at all. She's our case, Harlan. Now, if they're going to budge on just settling Annie's testimony, we'll have to do it. We need every I love to watch old sitcoms and just find people looking directly at the camera. Okay. Extras. <laughs> We're almost there, aren't we? We haven't even finished putting in our case. After that, they put on a defense. I know he's lost a lot of cases, but he knows how trials function. That's what <laughs> I it's have like. the exact same thought. <laughs> it's just like he. He did pass the bar. It's over, Kim. He, didn't, he might not have passed it by a lot. He's not a jumper, <laughs> but like he did pass it. Right. Let's go. I threw up a lot, but I thought it was a... Do you think they auditioned uh, Ernie Sabella for Jimmy Berluti? I think we might have talked about that. He would have been amazing. Yeah. Like, the, like if, the, if the actors had swapped, this also would have been great. But I think, I think Ernie really... This character is too perfect. It's almost like they wrote it for Ernie. Mm. So it's it, it, it may, maybe that's what happened. Maybe Ernie did come in for Jim, and they're like, "This guy's great. He's a little bit not what we're going for, but like I have a perfect character for this." Which is why they have a lot of similar beats in the world. Uh, but while we're stopped, let's do a little girl with cancer. How? Dare you be so insensitive and flippant about this girl's condition, Keith? Well, yes. No, I, 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 I bailed halfway through. I was like, oh, God, this is a mistake. But to be fair, to be fair, this actress, Sarah Godshaw, is healthy and fine. She's fine. She didn't actually have cancer. It's makeup. It's not real. Should we credit the makeup and artist as well? The what? The makeup artist, it is very good. Oh, well, that's a good question. All right, you look that up while I give uh, Sarah's credits. God damn it, I opened my goddamn mouth. Yeah, you know, you brought it on yourself, buddy. Uh, she was in Home Alone 3, ER, and Malcolm in the middle. Let's see how long it takes uh, Mike to find the makeup artist. He's searching. 
IMDb mm-hmm. makeup artist season five. That's the makeup makeup artist for yep. all of television in history. And not, not because not. you did not specify the practice. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be literally anyone. Uh, private practice. Okay. Well, nope. That's that. <laughs> this is really as far let's, as I want to go let's down the well. Watch my Google. <laughs> He's not very good at it. You can't make me laugh while I'm Googling, man. It's it's serious. <laughs> Wait, hold this on. This is going well. We're almost there. Okay. You've gotten to the practice. Okay. That's directors. We've got writing credits. No makeup. No makeup. IMDb doesn't do makeup. Well, right. well not... listen. If the makeup artist of the practice season five, episode 20 is watching, I, I, I'm sure. I think that you cancered the hell out of this girl and it's uh <laughs> you gotta give me shit you just use cancered as a verb i think she looks all kinds of cancered and uh you know my heart breaks and while Play. you're at it the makeup artists <laughs> are jury janae mcguire vonda k morris and jatuina schweitzer how dare you pronounce her name wrong I I I can't uh, I can't really speak to whether I did. The hairstylists were Don Lynch and Linda Stevenson Kahn. Oh, that whole sequence really really exposed just how the fact the- that we don't edit because all other <laughs> podcasts in the world would have killed that. But no, you get to listen to the whole thing. You're welcome. Then I was on the bus to school and I passed out. Well, what happened? At least respect her. They testimony. said my liver stopped working. And I needed another one. And then? Then I got really sick for a few weeks. My eyes and skin turned yellow, and I lost all this weight. But then they found a new liver. So you got a transplant? Yeah. But it didn't work. Tell us how it didn't work. My body started to reject the replacement liver. I got really sick. It took a long time to find another one. Longer than the first one? Yes. I wasn't as high in the list anymore because they thought that my body would reject the next liver, too. Is everything going to be okay now? I don't know. My body's still having some problems. So if you... It's not about just finding a donor organ. If you have shown previous rejections you go down on the list because you're not a good recipient yeah well because part of the criteria for the donor list is uh how likely it's it is to work for sure and your age your health the, the, the rest of your health so you know if you're if if you're dying from other things there you're going to be lower on the list it's it it is a meritocracy not just a lottery that's tragic yeah They have me on these anti-rejection pills that I have to take every day for the rest of my life. And that makes me more likely to get stuff like infections and cancer. Annie, what if you need a third transplant? Acting aside, this is a tough script for this. this I probably wouldn't get it. I'm too far down the list. Just word-wise. Thank you, Annie. Good job, Annie. Good job, Harland. I'm very sorry about your illness, Annie. I know that everybody in this room wishes you a complete recovery. Thank you. You son of a 
I'm going to just ask you a few questions. If at any time you want to take a break, I'm sure we can do that. Okay? Don't you patronize okay. her. You plan B this little girl. I'm gonna jump through the screen, you MNFer. You killed her. When the doctors were diagnosing you, did they ask whether you had taken any other drugs or taken too many pain relievers? I think so. Yeah. Do you remember what your answer was? I told them that I hadn't, except for the other antibiotics. Okay. You know they were asking about other possible reasons your liver failed. Yes. You also told them you hadn't drunk alcohol, right? Yes. Keith. No, Annie. Is he gonna alcohol shame this girl? Remember a sleepover at your friend Robin Cohen's house a few weeks before you fell ill? Keith, he is gonna plan B her. He I sure think is. So. If we brought Robin here and asked whether you and the other girl What a what a motherfucker! <laughs> Sorry. Well also, like relevance. Is is he going to is he gonna say that she drank alcohol at a party once and that's what killed her liver, her 13-year-old liver? Yeah, like, okay. Let's rewind in our brains, as shoddy as they may be. Uh, because of all the alcohol we've had. Yes, to the episode where they kept bringing in that drunk, paying that drunk to be a star witness. Um, right. Yeah, his credibility on the stand, yeah, that's suspect. However, a little girl, we're not talking folks who aren't watching the episode. She just, she's not 14, 15, 16 years old. This is a little girl who is clearly... Very, very, very sick with cancer. Coming at her, calling her drunk because she was at a sleepover where there was like a Budweiser is not going to go well, I would think. No. But and also, it is, it is underscored. irrelevant. Well, and, and which is why, like, if I'm the opposing counsel, I'd be like, are you, in order to, in order to go down this line of questioning, you have to prove that there is a, you have to make a connection like, okay, so in some children, if they have a teaspoon of alcohol, it kills their liver. You can't just randomly make inferences. Uh, the fact that, that Eugene isn't beating him up already is upsetting me. Yeah. drank from her father's liquor cabinet. What would she say? Eugene, anything? Something. I hardly had anything. Jimmy? So you had some. Yes. You didn't tell that to the doctors, though, did you? Oh, come on! No. Are there any other things you didn't tell the doctors? Yeah, you're a dickhead. No. That's what I didn't tell them. That you're a fucking dickhead. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm taking it personally. I'm very wrapped up in this. Prior to your taking Reflexin, you'd taken other antibiotics, right? Yes. And you'd had a flu a few weeks before this? Yes. Did you take any cough medicine? Yes. Pain relievers? Yes. Methamphetamine? Okay, it's actually all I have. Amphetamine. <laughs> and again, let me extend well, anyway, my wishes I just tried to say that you had a complete and healthy recovery. Thank you. Do you? Do you? Or do you hope she dies so that your case gets dismissed, you, dis you fucking piece of shit? Annie, how much alcohol have you had in your life? I've had like two sips of vodka. That's it. I hated it. 
And did you tell the truth to the doctors for all the other questions they asked you? Yes. Thank you, Annie. That's some good lawyering right there. Eugene's going to dinner with the defense lawyer. They've now seen our case. If we're going to get an offer, this would be the... That's a specific shot they wanted, Keith. They're like, we got to get... Can we get a shot of her sitting in the wheelchair attempting to sip out of a water fountain? And she appears to be putting her whole mouth over the, the nozzle, which I don't care what your situation, that's unacceptable. Especially during COVID times. Was all... she not thinking of COVID? Time. It's a good sign that he's willing to have dinner, right? We hope. I'm sorry. You should be. Sorry. Get your mouth off that nozzle. Why, sweetheart? For not telling you about that sleepover and the alcohol. Hey, you did great up there. That was just a cheap trick. It'll backfire. You watch. At least you didn't ask me about cooking meth. Right? <laughs> Harlan's good with her, The doctor too. said to John, toxicity to the liver causes failure. He ruled out everything but reflexes. Oh, what's a, what good is I a thought dinner I scene him, okay. if Richard Bay's not there to But the food. bottom line is, it's in the record. Plus, we have a very sympathetic little girl. You're preaching to the choir. I've been trying to convince Hayden to offer something. Trust me, I don't like going up against little girls. So what gives? I think they're angry. Your client? Pediatrician dropped the ball here, Eugene. I'm not saying doctors don't prescribe off-label. I know they do. But she should have at least monitored the girl. Now, for her to settle out with a promise to testify against the drug company? She's not the first doctor to do that. Exactly. Which is why they're so angry. Give me something. Come on, admit it. Harlan Bassett has done better than you thought. If it were up to me. But it isn't. Well, okay. We can understand that. Hands tied. Katie, get down. Get down! What, what kind of pizza do you think that is? He's, he's cat parenting. I think it was Domino's. Okay. We just keep going. Look, there I'm from Philadelphia. I grew up here. I'm back home, you know, for the time being. But I gotta Until tell you, you move to Rahway, where we are. Yeah, brother. Um, yeah, so let me tell you, and and I might get, I don't know, there might be people coming to my house. The pizza here ain't good. It is not New York pizza. Pe New York pizza is superior. Of course it is. Philadelphia. The first witness is the hepatologist. Cheesesteak. Doctor Peter Kendall. Okay. Have, have a Reflexin is not the racism. most likely cause of Miss Mullins' liver damage. Can you be sure of that, Dr. Kendall? Viral infections are the most common cause of liver failure in children. This girl was coming off a stomach flu, and that's probably the very infection that led to her liver injury. Can you state this to a medical certainty, doctor? Not a certainty. You have to understand that the cause of most cases of liver failure in children is unknown. So in a majority of cases, there's no cause found. That's correct, but here we know she had a viral infection, which we can isolate as the most likely culprit. Doctor, isn't it true that the vast majority of stomach flus do not cause liver failure? Neither do most drugs. But the speed at which Annie's liver failed is more consistent with drug toxicity, isn't it? In general, yes. You can't rule out reflexion as cause of Annie's injuries, can you? Well, the question is you not... You can't rule it out. 
Can you? No. And, Doctor, how many times have you testified for drug companies? I can't be sure. More than 50? Yes. More than 100? Probably. And in all these appearances, have you ever testified for a plaintiff? No, I haven't. More good work by uh, Harlan Bassett. And while we're at it, I'll take him to. Doctor that Harlan just wiped the floor with! Mop Doc! And, and by the way, people of Philadelphia, I love you. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm a Philadelphia in law now, too. Uh, all right. This is Tom Dugan from Dave. He played Neanderthal number two in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He was Lobster Man in Junior. He was Restaurant Cop in Ghostbusters 2. He was also in Leprechaun 3 and Hellraiser Bloodline. The witness room. Am I crazy? Or is Harlan... He was good just then. Just want to love he this was. cat. Eugene, we've put in our case. We just had their first witness. And we're in this. Nobody's laughing in there. Yeah, but now come their big guns. I know. But nobody's laughing. See, Mike? Nobody's laughing. Harlan's doing it. <laughs> For a drug to be approved in the United States, it needs to go through an incredible testing process. When you say incredible, I mean hundreds of millions of dollars. First comes testing on a cellular level, then animals. The last step is clinical trials on humans. Then what? But then the company turns over its clinical data to the FDA medical officers. They review the data, then they convene an advisory panel of outside independent specialists who give an opinion, which the FDA may or may not follow. What does it mean to have approval from the FDA? It's the gold. To be quite frank, not a hell of a lot. Gold standard. Meaning? The United States Ooh, has the safest, most rigorous pharmaceutical testing process in the world. Shoulder. Many, many drugs are available overseas that are prohibited here for safety reasons. In fact, uh, a number of states limit the liability of drug manufacturers from suits if their product is FDA approved. Objection. Sustained. Jury will disregard. From your review of the data, did Hayden Laboratories comply with testing requirements for reflexin? Absolutely. Thank you, doctor. My In the last four years, the 11 different drugs oh, yeah. have been pulled off the market. Yes, she does. After the FDA approved them. Isn't that correct? Yes. Direct. Painkiller linked to liver failure. Welcome that to was the one of podcast. Them. Objection. This trial is about reflexin. They mm -hmm. opened the door, Your Honor. This witness testified that the FDA's you. approval was the gold standard. Objection overruled. Elotronex, irritable bowel syndrome, suspected cause of five deaths. Yes. Propulsed, heartburn, suspected in over 300 deaths. Yes. Seldane, Resilent, the list goes on. All approved by the FDA, all pulled because of safety concerns. The fact that these drugs were withdrawn shows that the system works, that the FDA investigators are doing their job. Think the 20 million Americans who took those drugs believe the system works? Objection. Sustained. The fact that the FDA approved reflection doesn't... Hold on, I'm very distracted. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the cat episode. So Dee Dee is trying to sit 
on top of the shoulder of your chair, but it's only about two <laughs> inches wide. But it is not stopping Dee Dee from trying very hard to sit on the top of that chair. You think he, now is he's just sitting on my head? He's just fully on my head. Come on, man. Come here, Dee Dee. What are you doing? He's hissing at me. What I did, I'm trying to make you help you out. Sit on my lap for a minute. Nope. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> establish it's safe. Doesn't Meanwhile, happen. Harlan's taken down the there FDA. There are never any guarantees. <sighs> to get Janice on the I am extremely proud. The wow, but that, actually, um, that extra yeah. really got a feature there. Yeah, no, she's clearly dating this, the uh, the DP. As juror who uh, found that interesting, let's 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 look at her work once again. Establish it's safe. Does it, Doctor? There are never any guarantees. What do you think, juror? Mm. So I, mm. I am extremely mm. proud but of while we're out of guy who works for the FDA guy who assures us there are no sure things now I would not continue interrupting this episode uh, about uh, credits if this weren't very important because this FDA doctor is played by Madison Mason he folks is our Third, double dipper. He was attorney Jacob Hurwitz on the trial. And in commemoration, every time we have a third double dipper, we're going to play the special one. The super one. one. Yeah. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. So welcome back to the practice. That you were here before in season four And you massachute the scenery First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick Now you are a teacher who is a bit of a dick In silence of the lands you were a bit of a dick In real life I'm sure that you're a really nice guy Welcome back to the practice tonight so, folks, that's going to be our precedent. If we have three double dippers, the Anthony Held song will be played. So, yeah, and also somebody throw your hats. Somebody throw a hat so that at least I can say I know something about hockey. When do you throw squids on the ice? Uh, that's only in Detroit. So okay. he's referring to a hat trick. You have to throw your hat when a single player scores three goals. In one game, and when you are in Detroit, especially during the playoffs, you throw squids on the ice Is to commemorate do, goals. Is there a reason for that? Because of the playoffs. So squid? So squid. I I actually don't know the etymology of the squid in Detroit. Uh, we, we referred it a couple of episodes ago to the Sorry. rats in uh, Florida. But... Okay, uh, well. But the squid, next I'll look next week in a very spe special sports ball segment, we'll be learning about that. Okay, Real that's probably more interesting than sports ball. <laughs> pneumonia and meningitis, it saves lives every single day. Alport. Are you satisfied, sir, that it's safe? Absolutely. When used as directed. Now here, it was not used as directed. It is not intended for children. Who now, have sips of vodka. I don't believe that reflexin caused any Mullen's injuries. Nevertheless, it should never have been prescribed 
That's why our label is clear, not proven safe for children under 16. What else can we do? We cannot be held responsible for every doctor who ignores our warnings. Thank you, Mr. Yates. Eugene. That didn't go great. Can you take this one? What? I'm feeling... Oh, shit. Overwhelmed. Look, Harland, I really don't think we should let what that witness just said hang with the jury. The sooner we defuse it, the better. Come on, Harlan. Override your chest pains and clear medical emergency and lawyer. The FDA advisory committee that approved your drug was comprised of 12 doctors, correct? Fix it yes. or whatever the And seven is. of them had financial ties to your company, didn't they? We fund research, <laughs> Mr. Bassett. I mean, if that qualifies as financial ties, then technically you may be correct. Uh, fact is, the drug industry is the major source of funding for doctors who study the safety and efficacy of drugs. Isn't that right, Mr. Yates? I and, so. I, and if a doc this is also going back to my my job previously. He's talking about how the drug companies are actually funding the research that gets their their drugs approved, which of course is an immediate conflict of interest. But a lot of, one of the biggest things we did at the CME office, the medical education office at NYU, was trying to deal with that conflict of interest, despite the fact that all these courses that we were putting on teaching doctors how to use new drugs or whatever were being sponsored by these same drug companies with their drug reps. And so we would have, so we were able to put up these courses because Pfizer and Merck and all these were giving us $50,000, $60,000 to have a booth right outside, like literally right outside the auditorium. There were all these tables and booths where these drug reps were selling their products to the doctors. And so, you know, we have all these like weird regulations that kind of don't, mean anything because like we're putting all their logos on the on the front cover of the of the the brochure of the uh the syllabus for the course and like well it's only on the cover so therefore it doesn't have undue influence it's it's a really weird system going on the studies don't come out like you want he's not going to get a grant next time around for his research is he that's not true. As part of their compensation, you offer these doctors stock options in Hayden Labs, don't you? Sometimes. You make it in their financial interest. Are we getting the impression here that Harlan isn't a bad lawyer? He just suffers from this debilitating anxiety, which makes him, pre pre prevents him from uh, reaching his true potential, perhaps? It <clears throat> certainly seems that way because he's, he's clearly not he's a dumb it. Yeah. Just to make favorable findings. These are doctors that you're talking about. They are going to do what's right. They're doctors. They're going to do what's right. Objection. Argumentative. Sustained. What's the average review time for FDA approval? A little over a year. How long did the FDA review the application for Reflexin? We were granted an expedited review. How long? Six months. Do you think the FDA might have caught the problems with Reflexin if they took the normal review time? There were no problems to catch. Really? Uh, no problems to catch. <clears throat> He's got receipts. What is an adverse drug report? It's a form 
filled out by a doctor when a patient suffers an unexpected reaction that might. Oh, he set him up with the doctors always are right. He might, sure and did. Stress might be related to a prescription drug. I'm holding six adverse drug reports, which list Reflexin as primary suspect in liver damage. Four involve children. You are talking six reports out of two million prescriptions. But doctors aren't required to file these reports, are they, Mr. Yates? Some experts estimate six reports translates to 600 actual complications. I disagree. You are aware that doctors are prescribing reflexin to kids, aren't you? All we can do is to make the appropriate warning. We can't control what doctors do. Yes or no? You know doctors are prescribing it to kids. Yes. Hayden Labs made $265 million on reflexin last year, didn't they? Objection. Overruled. $265 million. How much of that came from off-label use by children? Some. Some. Children are good business, aren't they, Mr. Yates? Objection. Overruled. You don't test children because you don't want to know what you'd find. That is untrue. Why do you only test adults when you know your drug is going to kids? Eugene's like, okay. Yeah. We limited our research and market to adults because the product is intended for adults. Again, we cannot control what the doctors do. But when doctors prescribe reflexin to kids, you don't issue a stronger warning. You don't do anything about it. You just take the money. Objection. Sustained. Good Truthfully, one. you have researched children, haven't you? This is your research. Six isolated cases is not data, Mr. Bassett. How about seven? Oh, Damn, I mean, hold Harvard. on. Forget the underscore. All you need is this. Hell yeah, Harlan Bassett, bring it in. You know what about this show, Keith, I, I love the most? And in recent memory, we, we get some good closes. Uh, don't And by good, I mean some of the best in television history, <laughs> I think. But recently, the only great lawyering, litigation, like just questioning of witnesses is either a surprise plan B or something sort of uh, very... Theatrical, Shall dramatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But here we are, just letting the facts decimate this guy, and it is riveting. Oh, it, it really is, because it's not only are we revealing the facts and we're learning all of these things, but it's also the, the strategy in how it's being revealed, the order of the questions, and, and just seeing how well thought out the line of questioning is from Harland here. And that's that's what's really fascinating is is the strategy. Strategy. And it's just one case. We're focused. We're seeing all the yeah. bits that usually great. we hop over. Love it. He did great. So now what? Closing arguments. A good close, and we have a chance. Now, once again, what we can't have happen again because I hate redundancy, even though there's quite a bit of it, is we can't win like forty million dollars, and then at the very last minute, the judge is like, "Nope, nope, forget it. You don't get anything." Uh, poor Jimmy. Yeah. This poor girl, give her, give her some You'll milk and a liver. You know what? You get 40 million and a liver. 
James Rebhorn's liver. <laughs> right. Can we get together? Oh! Oh! Would you like a little meeting? Have we had some reconsideration? Would you like to go oh. back to the diner and fake eat a little bit? Oh, maybe. We'll be right up. Here comes the offer. Oh, my God. What? Oh, all right, listen. We need to pick a number. I need to go out there with a number. Mike said 40 600. Mil. They won't pay 600. Two. Harlan, you don't have to cave that much. How do you go from six to two? Uh, I'm confused. Look, <laughs> liability is good. He just slayed it, and now he's dumb-dumb again. It was shaky. Uh, last night, the number was zero. Right now, uh, I, I think, think 400,000 right. I think it is, is about the anxiety. What was the number? I we talked right over it. I think they're going for two thousand is possible. Wait, I missed it. Look, liability is still shaky. Last night the number was zero. Right now, uh, I think four hundred thousand is possible. Lawyer fees, whatever. You probably walk away with what two fifty. Uh, they get thirty percent. Is the contingency? I think. So 120, 40 of that to Eugene. 225. Uh, that was a half a million dollar cross if I ever heard one. 225 was as high as he authorized me. I'm not playing poker here. I could convince him to throw in your fees. You took it on a contingency. That's another 60 or so. Let's say goodbye to this at three. Four. And we'll sign off. Can't do it, Eugene. Three's the number. No. Okay. Nice. We get to do this one more day. Eugene is like just there we to just negotiate. turned down three hundred thousand dollars. Eugene, Steve Harris is so good. He doesn't even have to do anything. No, he doesn't. His face is so expressive. Lucy. Lucy's. It's early morning, Bobby just walked in, and everyone Guys. is asleep in the office. Guys. What time is it? 7.30. How late were you up? We just laid down to take a break at 4 or so. Do we have any coffee? I'll make some. I need new clothes. I can't close in this. You got plenty of time. It's early. When are you doing? Nine. Okay, so you don't have plenty of time. I gotta go home and change. Welcome to the show, Dylan. They offered three. You got the same paycheck. And you turned it down? I know we can get another hundred if he closes well. Or it could go back to zero. Have you ever heard Harlan Bassett close? It isn't uh, pretty. We got it. He's Bobby. different, this trial, Bobby. Great lighting. He He's in some kind of zone. Yeah. In his zone? When have you ever, ever known him not to screw things up? Whoa. If you give him enough time. He has Folks. a heart attack right in the middle. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing
We all know to warn our kids about the kind of drugs you buy on a street corner. We know to steer them away from shady dealers and back alleys. But what we don't know is that they are twice as likely to die from the drugs in our own medicine cabinets. James and Christine Mullen told their daughter to take her medicine because it would make her feel better. Look at her. A simple antibiotic. Two weeks later, she lost her liver. There's that extra opportunity kid. for a normal life. The defense would have you believe that her doctor bears all the responsibility. But this ignores one critical fact. Hayden Labs knew that once Reflexin was approved for adults, it would make its way to children. 80% of the drugs on the market today are not adequately tested on kids. 80%. And it's common practice for doctors to prescribe these medications to children. Now, knowing this, what does Hayden Labs do? They slip in the most innocuous warning they can, while at the same time marketing the drug to pediatricians. But saying not proven safe or effective is not the same as warning it could be dangerous. And they knew it. Is it because it's an underdog story, Keith? Is that what the Rocky, is that what it's all about? It's an underdog story. Oh, boy. Oof. <laughs> come on, come on, Harland. You got this. You better close. Yeah. You trained hard. You got a new shirt. We're going to make this happen, Harland. Now, Keith, I do want to remind you, Rocky went the distance, but ultimately lost in the end. Uh, well, no spoilers. Rocky, sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses, but damn, he it's works. It's hard to wage a battle against a big pharmaceutical company. This is a $100 billion industry. We've had some loose ones before, but that really. <laughs> I think uh, Charlie well, might have. It was, a, it was a, a love letter to Philadelphia after all. All right, I backed really? up the 10 seconds we lost because of that. It's hard to wage a battle against a big pharmaceutical company. This is a $100 billion industry. I'm sorry, Your Honor. I'm loath to object during a closing, but this is neither relevant. It is relevant. The revenues they generate are relevant to the extent that they control research. I'll give you a short leash, Mr. Bassett, but keep well, it about the case. The drug companies, they fund the research. They pay many doctors who are in charge of testing whether a drug is safe. And some drugs get to the market that are unsafe. In the last four years alone, 20 million Americans took drugs that were pulled off the market because of safety reasons. 20 million. And I submit that when Reflexin is finally tested on kids, it too will probably be pulled. But Hayden Labs, they're not gonna test it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, not if they can help it. The problem with test results is you're stuck with them. And they don't want any test proving what Annie Mullen already knows, that this drug can cause liver failure. It caused hers. They don't care, ladies and gentlemen. 
They don't give a damn. And the FDA? They rely on clinical and advisory panels that are bankrolled by these people. In the end, it's not about safety. It's not about compassion. It's not about little girls like Annie. It's about money. That's money, all they money, understand. Money. Go back to that jury room and return with a number that'll make them understand. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, how's that 300,000 feeling now? In the zone. Jimmy's all like, yeah. Now this guy's got to do his clothes in front of this sick little girl. That was very impassioned. However, cases are decided on fact and merit. And the fact is your passion. Prick. How about that? How about that fact? Fact. The cause of most liver failure in children is unknown. Is sleepover fact. vodka. It's much more likely <laughs> that Miss Mullen's stomach flu caused her liver failure than any drug she took. Fact. The FDA reviewed reflexin and found it to be safe and effective when used as directed. Fact. The FDA still approves reflexin. Fact. We warned doctors not to use it on children under 16. Fact. Miss Mullen's doctor read that warning and still prescribed it. Mr. Bassett would have you that believe that the evil pharmaceutical companies are out there killing people for profit. Reflexin is in the family of antibiotics that has saved millions of lives. All right, yes. The drug companies fund research. Does this mean that the findings are bought? Absolutely not, and there is no evidence to suggest otherwise. They pay for this research to get it done, to be able to discover life-saving medicines. We all live longer, more enriched lives because of those medicines. Reflexin is one such life-saving medication. Now, do we know some doctors might possibly prescribe it to children? Yes. So we clearly warn them, not proven safe for children. You know, what else can we do? What else can we do? Run a study? You could, yeah, you could actually do that. That'd be helpful. And that is Harlan's coup de gras, really. Because everything else he said was true. Oh, an exterior. We don't usually get one of these. Yeah. Way to desaturate. No matter what happens, like Los Angeles. You tried a great case. I still wish I could have done more with the medicals. There isn't more. It, it's not like the truth is out there somewhere. I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to repay you. Me? I just sat there. They're right. Oh, yeah, we got another. We got a counter. 400. 400, Sion. Say no, Harold. No, you gotta take it to your client, don't you? Don't we keep hammering the second with co-counsel. Right? Well, and it's also, it's 400 sealed, too. Which means they don't get to make their point. 
I don't know how to advise you. I can't say we're going to win, but if we win, it should be more than four. What yeah, it's almost to? not about the money, but I, the kid doesn't need Only the money. Only that I gotta throw up. Well, no Carlin matter what, too. He doesn't even have we gotta run it by the plan. This would completely financially change his situation. If they're offering four, do you think they'd go higher? Well, this lawyer doesn't really play that way. He just puts it out. Now, that's not to say we couldn't chip it up some, but... Harland, six months ago, we put ourselves in your hands. Oof. Let's go to verdict. Harland. They never thought we'd get this far, Eugene. Okay, this just in. If we go to verdict and they pull some hooky, some hooky bullshit on us again... I, I may quit the podcast. It may be the final straw. So there's more wow. riding on this than just Harlan's office. Ooh, there's a lot at stake here. Which might be a welcome relief to hundreds <laughs> of people. For everybody. <laughs> Let's go to verdict. Let me see if I can get it up to six. No. Let's go to verdict. You understand, Mr. Mullen, that this could I ruin... I understand that Harlan took us here. I'm going to follow his instinct. Now, he may be a fucking dope, as has been made very Jerry's clear. Back. Who's Jerry? Oh, jeez. Jury. The jury's I mean, back. Come on now. Come <laughs> on. Jerry? He, now he can't read. He's an excellent well, they, they litigator, might, they but They might he can't have spelled read. it wrong in the, in the beep. The foreman's name may be Jerry. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with juries? I don't get it. And Eugene. Well, they, I'm are they sure. innocent or guilty? I don't get it. Okay. This poor motherfucker, if he loses. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits, that's it. They don't even explain it. Give him a couple mil. Come on, this kid this has cancer. She can't even drink out of the water fountain. He only drinks vodka now. Six hundred thousand. No. Big balls on that warthog. Can you get a read? Mr. Foreman, have you reached a verdict? Relatively similar key. What say you? In the matter of Ann Mullen versus Hayden Laboratories, we find in favor of the plaintiff, Ann Mullen. Yeah! And we order the defendant to pay compensatory damages in the amount of $5.6 million. Yeah, bitch! Oh. Woo! Gotta wait for it, though. The defendant moves for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict. Denied. Come on. The evidence never established causation, and no reasonable jury could find that it did. In the alternative, we're entitled to a new trial. Not this hinky bullshit again. Can't do it, David E. Kelly. 
Denied. Denied. Yeah, bitch! Members of the jury, this concludes your service. Five point six! Five point six! Five point six! Five point six! Little girl's got a new liver! Gonna buy a liver now! She can buy it on the black market now! Do they get any money? You look like you're about to cry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was it, 5.2? If you tell anybody, I'll kill you. I'll break down the financials when we're done. So here's your financial breakdown from the 5.2 million verdict, Harlan Bassett. The contingency on that is 30%, which is $1.56 million, which means Harlan personally just made $936 million. And our favorite heroes took in almost a half a million dollars by sitting quietly while Harlan worked on it. Congratulations to everyone. Okay. Oh, that's Woo. awesome. We, we, I have to uh, finish the Rocky music before we go back to YouTube and get a strike. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you there. <laughs> and we are back, baby. Yes. We are indeed. Woo. What an exciting underdog tale. We got our Rocky. Here it is. Uh, you know, I was thinking, because uh, we talked about Rocky a lot, uh, one of the things that Jillian was going to do pre-COVID was she was going to do the uh, the first non-Broadway production of Rocky. Amazing. Uh, this summer. And unfortunately, and of course, Sly was going to be there at opening night. And of course, it all got canceled due I did, to I did audition. COVID. I did audition for that. Oh, did you? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, well, Jillian got the part. Yeah, I did. Uh, so. I'm not sure that uh, I deserved any part of it so i'm glad I, she did because she does i think you'd be an excellent rocky you and andy look exactly the same you're right our abs are very similar it, no you, you see you guys sitting together it's like i couldn't tell which one was which <laughs> <laughs> but i you know i know what he could do you know do. what andy couldn't do yeah same he, segue he definitely could not do this mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show Oh, yeah, Harlan Bassett's coming out strong. He's taking a left. He's taking a right. Oh, the drug company's like, yo, we're not going to give you any money. Oh, he's down, but he's back up. He's giving more case. And now they're saying, we're going to give you 300000 Oh, another punch, 400000 Boom, 600000 But Harlan says, yo, I played my case. I did my thing. Now I want all the monies. Ding, ding. Final round. Jury says, Harlan's the winner. Five point some millions of dollars. $5.6 million, little girl's going to get a liver, and Harlan's got an office. Yeah, except for she's probably not going to get that liver. The little girl's still probably going to die. Unless she buys it on the black market. Well, she can afford it. Well, there it is. <laughs> she can, uh, you know, one of those times where you wake up in a bathtub full of ice after a night out for cocktails. Well, that girl got your liver. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, Keith. Yes. There it is. There it is. Okay. Well, it is time to hand out some Wait. fake awards. Wait. 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 I've, I've, I don't want anything bad to happen on camera, so I, oh, have, no. to, I have to take care of some things. Oh, okay. okay. Now I'm ready. That was vague. All right. So uh, <laughs> now we're going to give out some fake awards in a segment we call... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they are a fake award show that begins every week with... I mean, that this is a little anticlimactic, folks. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone wins the MBL. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, take it away. Let's yeah. let's hear. Let's I hear mean, the ode. Harlan Bassett. Not only. Well, I guess we can't. I'm gonna. We'll talk about Ernie Sabella later. So yeah, Harlan Bassett. Not only did he overcome a crippling physical ailment, uh, he also play, he. Showed he was not a dum dum or a bad lawyer. He just was a little misguided. I mean, he tried it a hell of a case. I'd argue maybe one of the best of the season, and mm -hmm. uh, won more money than we have won anytime recently. Uh, That's with, true. Without a, a judgment, notwithstanding, and uh, did so for all of the right reasons. You know what I mean? They didn't. They didn't over over uh, saturate it with him needing to do this for the win. Remember there was a, before in one of his other cases, it was about him winning. Or that, no, that was Richard Bay, right? No, 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 it was him. It was yeah. him. And he'd never won a, uh, a trial case before. And actually the same thing with Jimmy too, where it was like, he needed to win in order to like, have any hope at a career and, and feed and the, himself. Like there's a lot about his personal stakes. So to the, to the right, the credits of the writers, but let's stay in the, we're doing most valuable lawyers. So let's stay in the fiction of the universe. It wasn't, that wasn't what this was about. Uh, this was about doing the right thing for the right reasons. And even in the end, when he was turning down the money, it wasn't just because they were money hungry. It really seemed like he felt like I, we, I won this case and they deserve more. And, and we got there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you diagnosed Har what's going on with Harland well during the episode. And you like, he's not a bad lawyer. He's a lawyer with a horrible anxiety problem. That yeah. has been holding him back, and I, I think that I I think this episode proves that that I, he's really struggles with with anxiety, struggles with self esteem, he struggles struggles with trusting himself, because when he's he's perfectly capable of being a killer lawyer. Uh, no, it's a false equivalency, but <clears throat> you know I speak from personal experience plus a lot of performers I know who are incredibly talented people uh, have had. Uh, less lesser careers than probably they ought to have had due in no small part to anxiety and insecurity yep. and mental health. Yeah. 
You're looking you're, at them. You're, you're looking at one. <laughs> you know, I don't know about the talented part, but the anxiety part holding me back? Hell fucking yeah. yeah. That's why we do a podcast that no one listens to. Why do you think we're here? <laughs> why do you think we're not doing all We things? are the Harlan Bassett of podcasting hosts. We, we really are. Save the I mean, millions look, look, of dollars. My, my hairline's creeping up. My waistline's creeping out. I, like, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be the same person. And so, so it, uh, is with, anyway. it is with glee, pride, and, and absolute uh, exuberance that we hand the MVL oopsie to Harlan Bassett. Congratulations, Harlan Bassett. And I think by this point, I don't need to tell you to stretch because you're ready. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Or first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. That one <laughs> might get gifts because we, we were synced up. <laughs> Uh, you know, for a, for an episode that had such a bleak start. <laughs> There's a lot of cursing. This one is absolutely explicit. Uh, a lot, yeah. A lot of fun. It's 12 hours long. We um, Let's keep the train rolling. So my what I was going to say during MVL that I, I kind of got out of because it's not about the fiction of the universe. If you zoom the lens out, if you look at the journey of, of Ernie Sabella's time, you know, he's done a lot of what seems like... Uh, very easy character work, but the truth of the matter is, is that is not the case. I mean, he's been asked to be an absolute clown. He's been asked to show the absolute depths of just a man who's lost everything and has nothing. He, he, these huge wide things, and, and then to this episode, he's asked to play both Columbo, right? This like, right. just like a master detective litigator. Uh, right, and right. also still that clown and still and now add on top of that uh going through a heart attack and like terrible anxiety like it's just and make it believable and also play in I just think I still think he was set up to fail so many times it's like the writers were trying to like the, these some of these dumb dumb moments were just yeah. so out of place to me, like the Jerry thing, like coming on just an right. incredible cross exam or examination cross examination of the drug guy to the like he can't read. It, 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 I mean, it really was up and down. It's the same thing they used to do to Michael all the time. Yes, yes. Um, but they have a they have this knack of casting incredible people that can handle it, and because of that, you know, I teased your analogy of Rocky, but it's exactly that story, right? And. And I just thought he was so excellent. And and the moments with him and Eugene, the moments, there was so much good stuff here, but I want to really focus it in on the courtroom scenes, right? He could literally take out any of the cast members we love and plop yeah. him in and he could do it. That's how great he oh, was no in this question. episode. No question. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I just agree with everything you just said there, so I'll be, I'll be quick. And... What Ernie has done in this episode, in his arc on the show thus far, is he has made me feel things. He broke my heart mm -hmm. uh, on his, uh, this is, I think, first Fourth? or second appearance. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, like, just really, it was so sad. It really genuinely broke my heart, made me feel for him. 
and you know and to and to fill us with elation here like he's he is a wonderful receptacle for feelings and that's sort of a, a, a awkward but bad way of expressing what an actor is supposed to be and, and what a character is supposed to do you know in in kudos to the show and we can talk more about this at spare tires generally when we bring on the guest actor as a as a lawyer their arcs uh, end in dark places raymond oz uh, perfect right. example you know like his arc was not one that was uh, triumphant and so it's nice to see one at least temporarily <laughs> who knows there's two episodes maybe my my harbinger of death uh <laughs> will will still strike ernie Isabella. but uh, uh i i just i'm happy with the way i hope that they no. just leave it yeah and and you actually talking about other guest actors made me think that there are very few guest actors that come on that are good guys. Mm. Almost everybody we bring on is an antagonist or a, a secret serial killer or was accused of being a serial killer. Like, there just aren't a lot of really good guys that cross our paths that aren't our heroes, which I understand from the, from a, uh, the, the writing standpoint, you want us to like our heroes and root for them. And so the, the way you do that is you throw in obstacles. You throw in people who are problems and get in the way and you shine a positive light on your heroes by how they interact with shitty people that come across them. But every once in a while, it's so nice to come across a character that we love that's not a main cast member. So... Anyway, uh, congratulations to Ernie Sabella with your best guest actor. And now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show <laughs> Quite frankly, um, I think that, you know... Truth be told, the other guest actor, uh, Dickhead. James Rebhorn. Yeah. Was really, also terrific. Yeah. yeah. He really should be recognized here as well. Um, but uh, nobody really in our, I mean, we mentioned it. Look, Jimmy Jimmy made a lot of faces and, and wasn't as involved as uh, what made the triumphant arc so triumphant was that juxtaposition that only Steve Harris can bring. Just yeah. dripping disdain uh, so much so that in the end, when it's when when the victory, and look, he even tried to counsel him, Harlan, the best he could to say, hey, look, we won this case. You did a great job. Take the money. and and, and uh, But yet deferred. And Steve just, I said it in the middle of the episode, if you were listening, like Steve just can be there. He's one of those people whose gravitas alone is excellent acting. And yeah. he did that reacting stuff today better than than anybody does it. And so I don't see how we don't pick Steve Harris here. Well, he's really the only one of our characters <laughs> also that. who is even in the I mean, I mean, Jimmy's just sort of there. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's Eugene and or Steve Harris, that is. And uh yeah, it's I'll talk about it in spare tires, but our main cast really were supporting players in this episode. Uh, but nonetheless, Steve Harris. Way to do it. Which brings us to <laughs> our good friend. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. That was oh, last Tommy. week. Yep. 
Let's sit in it oh, for a minute, Keith. We earned it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Look how young and pretty we were. Yep. Uh, how many years ago do you think that was? Like eight or nine years ago? Was that? You were in Nymph, right? No, this was the year after uh, you were in Nymph. Uh, yeah, a year or two after? I don't really remember. We, I, I remember the event. Yes. Uh, because you, me, Jillian, and Colin, we did a couple of numbers. For like the kickoff uh, From party. Elway, right? Wasn't right. it from Elway? No. Um, uh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a couple numbers from Elway at some event or cons. I don't know. We're so skinny. Sort of that shirt I'm wearing, I still have in my closet, and it is like a baby rag. I, I when I, I saw this picture, I tried to squeeze it on, and it is comical. <laughs> in fact, I should have I should go grab it just to show, but I, I'm not going to subject you to that. It is a uh, it I, is comical. Oh, I use <clears throat> that shirt as a sock now. <laughs> Good um, lord. Oh man, anyway, can you believe they're so, giving Tom uh, shit for like because he threw the Lombardi? When you have seven Lombardi trophies, you 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 do whatever you got to do with it. I I the trashed Brady was. Like I, I I I'm torn between making fun of him because of his, uh, not because he got trashed because who wouldn't, but because of his like incredibly manicured image and like robotic, like personal, uh, what you're putting out into the world, and then just to be so sloppy, it was uh, it was interesting. Uh, Keith, because you uh, did so much work to shoehorn that Rocky analogy into the whole episode. Uh, this week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is <clears throat> Harlan Brady running up the art mu art art museum steps. Ooh. Harlan Brady, all right. Uh, Harlan Brady running up the steps, the Philadelphia Art Museum steps. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, there it is. We're, we have a very Philly episode. It's it's true, and you know what? Good good for every, us. Every time I go home to see the in laws, like we drive right by the steps. Okay, so congratulations to ladies and gentlemen. That's not the right button. Harlan Brady running up the Philadelphia Art Museum steps. All right, now it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. We got to go to the one shots for this because it's that important, I think. Uh, mm, very important. I, I was feeling a little down this morning. Jen went to work. I've been like, I've been, you know, the weather sometimes gets me into my funk. I've been in a funk and uh, wasn't jumping out of my chair to do the podcast this week, as sometimes happens. Uh, and so you and I take turns kind of pulling each other out of um, the hole sometimes just so we don't miss a week. And I got to tell you, this week, what pulled me out of the hole was the practice. Um, yeah. Damn. What a good episode, man. Uh, it had it all. It had... Everything we love. We love an A story. You know what I mean? We love a focused A story. We love an excellent guest star. We love litigation. We love when we get to see basically all of the high points of the trial. On top of that, give me excellent acting. Give me a case that I care about. Yes, have we talked about, have we gone up against Big big Pharma before? Yes. Uh, ostensibly. And have we hit a lot of these sort of beats before yes the cancer cluster we've also dropped some of them like a dead weight <clears throat> but here it all coalesced it's like they were like you know what we need to do this right we need to we need to do the case better we need to do the resolution better let's just give it another swing and they did it and they knocked it out of the park and a big part of that is they're like let's leave our normal prosecutors out of it 
Let's leave our normal DAs out of it. Let's kind of bring in a fresh pair of eyes on the writing team. They sort of just wrote a standalone episode, much like that uh, Jimmy and the uh, Death Penalty episode. It's sort of like, let's just look at this one isolated, and it is better for it. Uh, I'll let you go into depth a little bit more, and then uh, we can, you know, come back together. But I'm going to, I'm feeling bullish because I had such a good time. And I viscerally was pulling for Harland. As I was was not exaggerating when I was cursing. I get very impassioned. And and this little girl deserved it, you know? And and, And the point that they were making, the larger point about, like Keith mentioned, the conflict of interest in some of this big pharma funding the research and funding the advertisement and marketing is 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 really crazy. And uh, I I'm giving it a nine point two five spare tires, which yes. is quite bullish. Quite bullish indeed. indeed. Yeah. No, I I was actually similarly in need of a pick me up, and was was even though I watched this episode two days ago, I was again picked up by this episode, and I and I really liked it. And it, it's funny you called it a standalone episode. In a lot of ways, it is. Uh, it's a you know the whole the whole story is told within one episode. Um, it's not serialized. There's not much coming from before. However, in order to have this episode work, you have to eat your vegetables and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and earn this. And you earn this because if Ernie Ernie came in as awesome as Ernie is. If this was the first time we saw him, we wouldn't care about this in the way that we do. But because we have met this character and we spent time with this character and they let him lose, they they let the likable guy lose and develop this relationship between Ernie and Eugene so that we've seen them come together. So it's it's about that relationship as much as it is uh, Ernie's confidence or, or, or Harlan's confidence going in. So not only have we earned the spending an entire episode on this character, you've earned a departure from your main cast because you can't just, this episode really wasn't about our main cast. It really wasn't about the practice. It was about Harlan Bassett. And so you have to lay a lot of groundwork in order for that to work and not feel like something weird, like what happened to the practice. Um, So I, so I really like that. I feel like they really did earn all of that. The other thing that you you talked about was the fact that this episode is about litigation. And I really, really liked that too. Because if you go back and you think about it, contrary to most of this series, in this case, there weren't any twists and turns. There were no surprises, no plan B. There was no surprise witness. There was no new information that came in that shocked everybody. It was just both sides litigating their positions as well as they could. And to trust your actors, your writers, and to trust your audience enough to allow that to happen, to we're not, you know, there's there's no crazy thing. Nobody's going to get murdered. No one's going to find out, blah, 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 blah. We're just going to litigate the case, and that's enough. Um, I really, really liked it. And, you know, it's, it's similar to uh, The Confession, where it's you've done enough character work in developing these people and developing the context. You don't need to explain it all. Let's just litigate this case and let that be enough. And that's what happened here. 
So uh, as a result, it's a it's another one of those examples of the types of episodes that I really, really, really like on the practice. So I am going to give it 9.62 spare tires. Wow. So, uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, 9.62. 9.62. I mean, it's one of my all time favorites. I mean, it, it is a top five episode for it's me. It's good, man. And, uh, and coincidentally, it is the second highest rated episode on IMDb. Oh, Everybody is it? loves Ernie Sabellum. So, yeah, uh, so anyway, uh, that's it. Folks, you have listened to another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. Thanks so much for listening and cheering us up all by ourselves and our cat farts. You can email <laughs> us about it at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can find our blog and find the rankings. Where does this sit when I update it someday? Outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can rank us help us by joining the jury and leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. This episode is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights. Go buy her book, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Novoa, and Jennifer Matsonova. You know, if you'd like to join them, you've only got 30 seconds to do so, Is as is generally the case. <laughs> good good uh, save. You, you can do so by... Uh, giving us a one-time donation or a monthly contribution, which really does help. I'm not kidding. You can find those links in the show notes, along with links to buy Leanne's book and or Keith's book, happily entitled The Farmer Who Does Some Shit. Um, the Farmer and the Two-Faced Lord. A shout out to Keith's grandpa, wherever the next plane might be. We hope that you are enacting the change you did down here, wherever that may be. Hey, Adrian! We did it! We shot some laser sounds! Laser sounds!